So, um, so I started working for the youth group that I was part of for like my whole life, yeah. um, where it was a much more, even though we were all Jewish, well, majority of us were Jewish and like, there was much more diversity in the things that we spoke about and the people that like, we like were associated with. Um, and you know, it was just a friendlier place to be than I ever found school to be. Mm. And I'm not saying that was always on the fault of the school, but, you know, yeah. kids are cruel. Mm. It's um, also a different time. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a different even, time. Like, people are like, oh, you're still young, so, like, you know about this stuff. But, like, school was so different then to how yeah. it is now. And this was, I mean, I left school in 2015, and the world was an entirely different place. Then. Yeah, like, things have changed so much. Um, but definitely being in a different environment, like, helped me understand, like, who I was. Um I had to cut my hair short the year before. I cut my hair short whilst I was still in school. Yeah. Just because I thought it was cool and edgy. Act of rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd always wanted to do it, um, and eventually my parents gave in, so I did it then. Um, but then, like, people would actually ask me, like, oh, well, is there something else going on? Like, why you wanted your hair cut short? Which I think is dumb, because, you know, women can have short hair. Yeah. But actually, it, like, <laughs> made me, like... It's so funny. Like, it's like, oh, shit, you cut your hair short. Does that mean you've changed gender? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, looking back on it, it was so dumb. But it did open up my mind and eyes to, like, the fact that you know, there were different things that I could do to, like, be the person I had yeah. to be. Without taking the full step of, yeah. like, identifying as an entirely different gender, you were able to dress differently, wear trousers. Yeah, like, exactly. Just, like, putting on it all of the stereotypes, you're able to, like, cut your hair short, wear trousers, do all the more manly things without actually committing to it. Yeah, exactly. So I definitely did that. Um, and then I didn't come out till I was, like, 18, and when you say come out... As transgender, yeah. Okay, so 18 years old, what's like going through your head before the moment you think you want to like actually come out and say, I'm a man and I'm not a woman? Um, okay, so I watched a YouTube video. Actually, I watched like 50,000 YouTube videos <laughs> um, on like this one person's yeah. YouTube account who I... Like, he never talks about his religion or anything, but like, I know that he's... Jewish and like he is transgender and he started transitioning the same age that I started transitioning even though he's a lot older than me not like a lot he's in his 20s but older than me um and I watched from his very first video to like the present day and I was like holy shit yeah. like this is a thing that people do yeah um and that was like mind-blowing for me and I messaged a friend and I was like I think that this is like this is me and they were just like, oh, great. And, like, not there much else to said on yeah. it. Like, but was it, once, whilst you were watching this, uh, yeah. did they tra did this person transition to a man or a woman? To a man. Fine. So whilst you were watching this this guy's videos, were you, was it, was it giving you that kind of breath of fresh air that you needed and this kind of energy to pull you out of the slump and the depression you were in? To say, like, okay, it's possible to, like, actually change and have that life? Uh, yeah, I think it definitely had a lot to do with it. Um, I mean, his video, like, so he starts his videos, like, pre-transition, even though, like, he was out as trans, and then going through, like, medical transition, and I was just watching, and I was like, I didn't even know something like this existed, yeah. 
Yeah. And I related to it a lot. Okay, so you're you're watching this guy's video and you message your friend, like you said, saying this this is what you think you are. Yeah. And then what happens then? Um, it, are you from that moment you say, okay, I'm a woman? Uh, sorry, I'm a man. Apologies. Yeah. From that moment you say, okay, I'm a man, or was it a slow slow movement from there? Um, it was slower than I wanted it to be. From that like moment where I realised, like definitively, that was who I was. I wanted to like just tell everyone. Yeah. And I was like. I probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, um, well, that, but that's like the experience I've I've often found when I've I've befriended people who became gay was it was something they wanted to just like continuously shout from the rooftops and and you know what to be honest up until this very moment I think I've always been close minded about that and thought well why do you you know I don't constantly shout about being straight but it's more than that it's the fact you've been locked in something your entire life and then it's like this hydrogen bomb of of liberation and freedom where you can just scream you know this is who i am and it's been kept inside for such a long time yeah so yeah exactly like i just wanted to tell everyone and then i was like but i can't really tell like major people in my life without telling my parents first was that fucking scary for you <laughs> it was it's probably top five on like one of the worst nights of my life um, yeah, so I'm out for dinner with my sisters, and my sister, my old sister is in a long-term relationship with who is now my brother-in-law and her husband, um, which becomes relevant, and, like, we're seeing in Wagamama's, in Westfield, in Stratford, mm. and I don't know why, I mean, I was just a stupid teenager, I guess, but I don't know why I thought this was a good time to tell them <laughs> in full public. Um, was this just you and your two sisters yeah, at the time? Yeah, yeah, it was just the three of us, so I, and I told them I was like why well, I think I'm you know transgender um and both of them like I mean my old sister understood what I meant first and was like started crying and was like what <laughs> um, was, she, was she crying because she was upset or she was crying because she was sad for you or she was just conf- like shocked I yeah. think okay um and it was quite funny because she ate there quite a lot. So the waiter came over and was like, are you okay? Like, they'd thought someone had died. Yeah. Um, and then, like, she explained it to my younger sister, who I guess at the time was only, like, 14, probably. Hmm. And, but I, you kind of have to... People have to bear in mind that at this point, it was still relatively taboo. Yeah. More, Way more so than it is now. Like, now it's a lot more normal and open. But back then, it was still like a... A topic of taboo if. yeah definitely mm. and i think it was lucky in that my younger sister didn't go to the same school as either me or my older sister um and the school she went to is seen as a bit more progressive and it's like pluralist in terms of like jewish connections and stuff um so she had like more support around her at school than i think she would have had had she gone to the same school as us um, which I was, like, grateful for because, like, she needed that support. Yeah. Um, because it's a lot for your sisters to take on as well, especially yeah. your younger sister at the time being 14. Yeah, like, my old sister, like, I can't remember if she was still living... I don't think she was still living with us at that No, she must have been. She must have been still living with us, but, like, very much had her own life. Yeah. Um, and she, like, we went outside, and I just remember, like, remember my old sis like chain smoking cigarettes just like out of stress and she doesn't smoke often but i was yeah. like oh my god <laughs> um yeah and then i texted um her 
boyfriend and was just like by the way just told my sisters this think they're going to come to yours now and i'm going to go home and speak to my parents um this must have been the most nerve-wracking day of your entire life yeah and i I, like had this whole plan for speaking to my parents which i did not stick to yeah um so they like went to his house and like left me and my parents to it and i went in and i was like planning on like packing a bag and stuff and like being like ready to have to have to leave but i went in and like you thought your parents were going to kick you out that was... yeah pretty much but i didn't like even follow that plan it was just like i went in i switched off the tv which in my house is when you know something serious going you switch on, off the tv yeah you've got to switch off the tv <laughs> something like kind of bad you put it on mute but switching it off that's a whole yeah, other oh, level levels, man. yeah <laughs> um and like seeing them down and being like i have something to tell you and what I always find really funny about that night, even though no one else finds this funny, but I thought it was funny, is that my dad was like, oh, you're pregnant, like, um, you know, like, you've been, like, kicked out of school or whatever I was doing at the time and stuff like that. That's not turn-off telly worthy, though, is no, it? No, I don't think so either. <laughs> That's mute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then he actually guessed, like, you're a boy, and I was like, well, actually... Like, he was obviously was joking. He joking. Yeah, he was joking, 100%. Um, but um, he guessed <laughs> oh that, gosh. and then I was like, well, actually, like, I'm transgender, and, like, it was a horrible moment for me. I don't know what it was like for them, but where everything just went, like, completely silent, and they were just looking at me, and they seemed... Did they know like, what it meant? Yeah, they definitely knew what it meant. Like, yeah. probably not to the extent that they know what it means now. <laughs> um, but they knew, like, the yeah. general outline. Um, and, like, just I couldn't deal with the silence. And I just uh, went outside and got into my car and just, like, drove away. Um, so they, they just couldn't say anything? Yeah, they just, like, they seemed almost angry. But I think that was just at the time. The confusion like, of feelings. It was more, yeah, it was more confusion and like scared for like what i was going to do with my life um so i like called a friend and drove to her house and well i like no i think i'd actually text her earlier being like i'm going to tell my parents something and i don't know how they're going to take it Mm. so might need to sleep on your couch yeah (laughs) um it's amazing you had someone that you could say that yeah definitely and we're still very close and I basically turned up at her house and, like, couldn't stop crying. And then, like, text, like, relevant people, like, spoke to my boss, like, said to him that I was staying at a friend's for the night, but, you know, didn't know if I was going to be okay to work the next day. And, like, um, and, like, explained to my friend what was happened at dinner and stuff. And then my sisters were calling me, being like, what's going on? It was just, like, a really stressful time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, not one that I think about often unless, like, I'm talking about it, but, like, yeah, remembering... Unless you get some guy who asks you to come on a podcast and, <laughs> yeah. and talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, definitely, I mean, definitely thinking back on it, it was, like, just the worst night ever because I thought that my parents, like, hated me. Yeah. I mean, you must have gone to sleep. Did your parents try and contact you that evening? I think they spoke to my friends. Yeah. I don't remember talking to them directly. So I, what was your first contact with your parents after this? I think it was the next day where we were just like, we should sit down and talk about this properly. Yeah. Um, 
but they like it was such a time of confusion for oh sorry it was such a time of confusion for them and for me so it was just a really difficult like yeah thing to discuss i guess you want to like did you feel like your parents were open to you at that in that moment i don't really know i yeah. think i felt like they weren't going to, like, you know, kick me to the curb, but also, like, our relationship would never recover. Um, Which is a hard thing to think of because you're almost... You're making the selfish sacrifice for your own life at, like, the the risk of, kind of, your relationship with your parents. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, now our relationship's actually a lot better than it was. I think no one has... I mean, some people might, but, you know, relationships with parents when you're a teenager and you don't really want to talk to them about, like, everything that you're going through, like, fairly standard. Yeah. Um, but definitely ours was slightly more complicated, but now we're closer because of it, because we had to be more open with mm. each other. Yeah. I guess um, they, they know the true you now as well. Yeah. And, I mean, like... Like I said, like, my uncle and his partner were so supportive and, like, they were definitely people that my parents spoke to just to be like, we Mm. don't know how to react to this. Yes. So what was, like, the conversation with your parents like when you did kind of sit down with them to discuss it? And did you know, like, in your entirety, the direction that you wanted to take them as well? Um, I'd done all of the research, so I was, like, adamant, like, yeah, got to go to the doctors, got to talk to them about this, got to find, like... Uh, got to get on, like, the waiting list for, like, the clinics and stuff. And they were just like, whoa, slow down. Um, which is probably good, but... Yeah, um, well, it's in their head, because they obviously <laughs> just found out, like, the day before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and then you're already saying, like, okay, I'm ready for reconstructive yeah. surgery in all my brothers now. <laughs> yeah. So, um... Before you even think about it. <laughs> yeah, so, like... And then, obviously, we slowed down, talked about like why I was feeling that way and like how long I'd felt that way for and like exactly what that meant to me to be transgender and all this stuff and like we eventually agreed like I'm sure the conversation was like really long and in depth but to be honest I barely remember it Um, I can't even imagine how much of a blur this must must have been for you because you obviously a year or two before this you felt like you had zero future whatsoever yeah exactly so it was just like I'd spoken to like a couple of people about it by this point and knew that I wanted to like transition medically and socially Mm. um so once my parents were kind of more like not like on board but like understanding of like my needs and understanding where like all of that like depression and like grief had come from like in the previous years like they were like supportive that's amazing. That must yeah. have been such a game changer for you. Yeah, definitely. And like, they wanted to like come to doctor's appointments with me and stuff. Um, did that help you? What like them? Like being the, their support. How much did that help your like transition? At that uh, time? Yeah, definitely helped a lot because I mean, even though I was eighteen at this point, I was not good at dealing with like medical stuff. You know, my mum was still doing everything for me, <laughs> so she like made the appointment and like came to the appointment with me and it was helpful for her more than anything i think because honestly like my gp had my gp had no idea what they were talking about to be honest i think i'm their only trans patient this day um so i was more explaining stuff to them and then like it helped my mum to understand stuff on like a different level Mm. 
Um, but that's like fairly normal. Like a lot of my trans friends feel like they have to end up educating their their parents, uh, them their parents and their medical, and their GP. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's difficult because the generation above us has grown up in in their way, and we are growing up in our way, which is a, a much more fluid and open um, open generation in terms of your identity. And I f- kind of feel like our children, kind of in the future, that will be hopefully will be like the ultimate place of openness where people can really just identify as whoever they want and you know future kids won't have to sit in front of their parents like shit scared thinking am I, are they going to chuck me out but they'll be able to just come to them and say you know this is how i'm feeling and their parents will be there and supportive and educated about it so it's, it's quite incredible but then i guess after like fast forwarding a bit i mean this this was obviously a huge moment for you do you feel like coming out completely took you out of this depression that you were in no, I definitely, um, <clears throat> I definitely still was, like, very sad, especially, like, I was so ready to get things moving and so sure of who I was, and then sit on a waiting list for, it was probably, I I got lucky, I was probably only on it for, like, two years. Yeah. So um, was this for hormone blockers or reconstructive surgery? Uh, so it was just to talk to the clinic, basically. Oh, just yeah. for a conversation? Yeah, this was for the initial assessment, Oh, yeah, okay. so that that took like two years. Is um, that still the case now? It's longer now. Oh, because there's more people. Well, there's more people coming out and like... More people who have questions. There's Yeah, and there's more people, like more stuff in politics being like, well, should we really even be providing the service on the NHS and stuff like that, which is like really messed up, but um, it and, makes uh, it more yeah, difficult. I think if anyone sat down in front of you, any politician sat down in front of you and heard your story, they'd they'd be absolutely devilish not to put it on the NHS. Yeah, yeah, for because sure. Just look at how it how it affected your childhood. Yeah, and people don't see that. They're just like, oh, these people wanting to change gender and stuff. The yeah. weirdos, like, they'll grow out of it. But actually, like, it's a really, really important service. That, mm. like, it's super underfunded. There's only 14 gender clinics in the entire country. That includes Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland. Mm. And how many um, trans... Do you know how many transgenders there are? Um, so first of all, correct term is transgender people. Transgender people. Yeah. Why? Um, just because transgenders is just like it. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. It just makes it seem like an object, like being trans. If that okay. makes sense. Yeah, fine, um, I understand. Whereas, yeah, trans, yeah, transgender people. Instead of alienating, making yeah, it exactly. alien, like it humanizes it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, fine. Um, so I know that at the London clinic, there's over like. 45,000 people on waiting lists. And you said there's only 14 clinics in the whole country. Yeah, and I know that the London Clinic is... um, So the Charing Cross Clinic has a three-year wait, at least. And then the one in Nottingham, there's a four-year wait. And then they've just opened one in Wales, actually. So that's really good. But also, there's going to be a massive waiting list for that one as well. Mm. Well, because there are transgender people in Wales. <laughs> yeah. And I have, like, trans-Welsh friends that had to travel to London every time they needed an appointment, which was just crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, the waiting times for these places mm. are, like, insane. I don't think that there's... I think that there's one in Scotland in glasgow maybe yeah um, but again like there's trans people in scotland mm. so when you finally went on to you went on to hormone blockers you said uh no i started well so even though my initial assessment was two years after um after getting on the waiting list um i didn't start 
I did go on blockers because I had gone through puberty. There was like oh, no point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't start hormone replacement therapy, mm. which is testosterone injections, yeah. until I was 21? No, 20. Mm. How old am I? Um, <laughs> um, I started, yeah, I started on June the 4th, two years ago, so 2018. So I'd been on the waiting list for since 2016. Mm. Um and I started like two and a half. I got I again. I got really lucky actually. Looking back on it, I didn't feel lucky, but I definitely was. Yeah. It could have taken so much longer. Mm. Um, I yes, I started on in June 2018 after being on the waiting list since uh, September 2016. Yeah, fine. And then, how, how like exciting was that process for you of having the hormone replacement therapy? So like kind of your your voice is obviously noticeably deeper now. Yeah. So it was like it was very um I don't know, it was crazy because like I see like my friends posting about like going on testosterone and they're just like so excited about it. And I was obviously really excited about it. But um again, my GP had no idea what they were doing. So mm. it was like I had to like guide them through everything and they do something called I won't get into, like, all of the, like, medical need yeah. of it, but, like, there's this thing called shared care, where if you're with a specialised NHS clinic, they share your care with your GP. Okay. And I had to get them... Oh, sorry. <coughs> uh, I had to get them all to sign off on specific things, and mm. for my GP to be like, yeah, we'll prescribe it to you, and, like, do the injections as long as the clinic says that you need this prescription. Fine, so GP had no idea. No, the they had to have a whole know. meeting yeah. about it, and I was just, like, I would call them every day being like, so can I start now? Can I start yeah. now? Can I start now? It's like someone's holding you back by yeah. the tail to, like, beginning the rest of your life. Yeah, it was... I think that was, like, those... That last month... Because I got, I got the go-ahead in March, but I didn't start until June... And that go ahead was only from the clinic, not from my GP. Yeah. So, and like to phone them and be like, well, actually, all of the senior partners of the surgery are having a meeting about you today. And I'd be like, why do they need a meeting about me? Like, just do some Google. All I want is a deeper voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, come on. Just pitch me down a bit and I'll be yeah. sweet. <laughs> um, but, um, but they like were really holding back on how much they wanted to do which was just so difficult yeah. so eventually like when the day came i was like finally thank god and like i went and picked up the prescription from the pharmacy and then like had to take it to my gp for the nurse like do the injection mm. um and how how many injections is the is the therapy so um you injection? have to do it your whole life ah so it's continuous for your yeah. whole life otherwise you're your so, voice come, goes back to how it was previously? Or? Nothing really goes back to how it was. It would be like, just look a bit different. Like you would, like there's like fat redistribution and stuff. And obviously like I'm broader than like um, a woman is and stuff like that. Like those okay. things would yeah. change. Yeah. Um, it's difficult to explain, but um, hmm. that would be like how it works. So I'd still have a deep voice and I'd still like be able to grow a beard and stuff. It would just be yeah. really, it would so be very confusing. Like, yeah, I just shaved. Yeah. Um, just because I got annoyed with it. But yeah, I can grab ears. Um, and yeah, so eventually when I had that injection, it was just like amazing, but also so anticlimactic. Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, nothing happens straight away. It takes like months and years for like stuff to like, yeah. happen. So when did you begin to notice the changes happening, like the kind of beard growing and 
Um, so I probably noticed like the first changes like a month or two in. Um, and at this point I was actually working on a camp in America. Um, and like my friends would like say to me, wow, like your voice has like changed. Much more hoarse than it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so and at this camp I had like trans friends as well there. Yeah. And like my best friend who's trans um, was working on the same camp as me. And he had transitioned earlier than me. He is his Spanish, so um, the laws there are like very different. Um, but he would just like he just came up to me one day and was just like, "Wow, your voice is really deep." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> um, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it was like very gradual. Like I mostly didn't notice stuff. I take like a lot of videos and stuff even now, just so that I can see the changes immediately. Ah, so do you have videos of your voice back before you'd had it became deeper whatsoever, yeah, and yeah. compare it to how it is now? Is that that must be fascinating? It's so that. weird to watch. Like, yeah, I actually posted a video last week because it was like my two years on testosterone yeah like so it's like yeah. classic is that on facebook poster. it's on instagram if you well, want I'll to check it out it. i'll yeah. check it out for sure um and like even like i find it so cringy to watch so i'm just like how does that ever sound like that and think that i was like so masculine and like yeah thought that i like i was just like oh this is disgusting to watch mm. but then like other people watch it and they're like wow that's amazing i'm just yeah. like <laughs> so gross <laughs> do you have any people out there? do you have experiences with people i should say who just refused to accept you as a man. Yeah, definitely. I mean, since I left school, I left school after year 12, so I was only, like, 17. Um, but I went straight to work, and I worked for Jewish organisations for the last... How old am I? Again, like, for the last, like, six, seven years, I've worked for Jewish organisations. Um, and there have been a couple of instances where someone who is orthodox, like, before, like, when I was clearly trans and, like, transitioning and I didn't look female, but I didn't also look, like, male, um, and they were, like, just, like, look at me, like, not want to shake my hand like they would with everyone else or, like, not want to, like, have a conversation with me. Mm. Um, Perhaps because said orthodox person maybe still saw you as a female yeah there was there was definitely points where it was like that and there was definitely points where it was just like because i was openly queer okay. like they yeah. just like wouldn't yeah. interact with me um and there were like i would go and i would go in schools and stuff and do like presentations and there were certain jewish schools where i would never be the one giving the presentation because people would react negatively to me and that wasn't like a choice that anyone else made i was just like it's not worth the aggravation yeah. mm. um and like it never like truly upset me like there were points where i was like why can't people just get over themselves but like honestly i was just, like people are different yeah like, we're all different we don't yeah. have to all be the same yeah and i was just, like even though these people should be more open-minded and should be more accepting especially like in my eyes, as Jewish people, I think we should be accepting of everyone because yeah. we've been so, like, like um, discriminated against. Yeah. Like, I think, just generally, we should just accept everyone because we've been there as a yeah, community. Yeah, 100%. Um, and that, that's why I really connect with, like, the Black Lives Matter movement as well. Yeah. Because I understand, like, as a Jew, how much we've been discriminated. Yeah, exactly. And um, people that don't see that, like, I think they really need to kind of do some soul searching because yeah. they need to realize that we're all 
the same. We're all going through the same struggle. Um, but I mean, it never it bothered other people definitely more than it bothered me that some people wouldn't want to talk to me. Isn't that brilliant to think of in such a twisted way? In that there are people out there who have so much have such a huge problem with you that it takes up their mental headspace and you're not even thinking about them at all yeah like they were clearly i would always think of it i feel like kind of bad about this but i would always find it kind of funny because they were clearly so bitter about like something else that they felt like they could take that out on my existence Mm. Um, and I was always just like, I just don't really care. Like, yeah. great, I don't have to give a presentation in the school. Perfect. <laughs> Someone else can do it. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. So how, how do you see your future now? Because you, when you, like you said, when you were eight, 17, 18, and you just didn't see a future for yourself and now you've transitioned, how do you see that future ahead of you now? I don't know what it looks like in terms of career at the moment, but mm. in terms of like my personal life, like I know that I want to have kids. Like, yeah desperately but i've always even before i knew i was trans i didn't want biological children um just because i've always seen it as like there's so many kids that don't have parents and like are like abandoned or like just like their parents die or something like that or they're just not wanted like and those kids deserve a home as much as anyone else so i've always wanted to adopt um you know but like in terms of like who that's going to be with i don't know if i'll you know ever be with like a man or a woman or whatever like i'm i don't know i'm just kind of letting life happen really yeah are you comfortable with just letting life happen and yeah definitely yeah. most of like 100%. i mean my friends and family have never had an issue with the fact that i like men and women or mm. like anyone else in between to be honest um but no, I know that like I want to be happy and settle down and like pass on like my knowledge of the world to like younger people. Yeah, I like that because you have had and just from like speaking and you know we'll wrap up shortly. You've had such a you've had a huge journey. I mean, your journey is full of so much substance as well, so much like deep rooted emotion, and that you can pass this over to other people. And this is what you're doing now, and what you've done before on other podcasts is that you be able to pass over your journey to other people so that they can then understand what it's like to go through what you went through. And like we said, they may experience similar pain or they may experience exactly the same thing. And so it might give them the courage to then go and do that themselves. So is there like, is there like a message that you would like, if there is someone who's listening to this, who might be going through, you know, be younger and going through what you went through, is there a message that you'd want to say to them? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess when I came out, I expected the entire world to hate me and react really negatively. Um, And even though that might be the case for some people, that's going to be such a small minority of people that actually aren't accepting of you. The majority of people just don't understand. So if you feel like you're different or like you need, you have something to say and you need to say it, otherwise, you know, it's going to kill you, then say it because you being alive and you you know, registering the fact that you're different to other people is so much better than, you know, you not being here. Yeah. Well, you're a bloody legend, mate, and I find you incredibly inspirational. I wish I could shake your hand right now (laughs) and give you a hug, but, mate, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Cheers, mate.